0: Morning. We are in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3
1: verses 1 through 6. I'd invite you to turn in your copy of God's word to that section. If you don't have a Bible, there may be a blue Bible located underneath the seat around you. If
0: you turn in that Bible to page 1015, that'll bring you to our section this morning.
1: So, Peter, and we're just continuing on here in 1 Peter, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. uh, Peter, fleshing out what it practically looks like to, as believers, to live beautifully or attractively before an unsaved world, which is what we discussed in chapter 2, verse 12. He begins then in 2.13 to address the subject of submission to an authority. Submission to an authority. Uh, Peter goes on to give important instructions then to his Christian readers about how they are to conduct themselves in their relationships to authority and speaks to three possible areas of submission for the follower of Jesus Christ. So, beloved, let me say, and I've said this several ways before, but let me say this, submission is not a dirty word. Not a dirty word. But in our fallenness or in our sinfulness, it is natural for us to push back against it. That's what causes us not to like it, really, truly. We should not resist biblical submission. Rather, we should, by the grace of God, resist the remnants of our rebelliousness. So, as I said, Peter addressed three possible areas of submission for the Christian. Review. First, as we have already covered, he charged all Christians to live in submission to their government. By the way, remember that in Peter's day, the government was not a democracy, but an autocracy ruled by a pagan emperor who, Peter, in verse 17, said they were to honor. They were to honor. So our submission, then, to the government is not contingent upon having the government you would like. All right? So Peter addressed, first, submission to the authority in our society. The idea then is as you could take a christian and plop him
0: anywhere in this world under any government and the instruction from peter would be the same.
1: Second, beginning in verse chapter 2 or chap, sorry chapter 2 verse 18, he then restricted his comments to christian servants or household slaves. Servants made up a majority of the population in ancient Rome the economy of Rome, and no doubt the church as well. Servants. Peter exhorted Christian servants to be subject to their masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And we wrapped up that instruction or those instructions last week. While employees today are not slaves and their bosses are not masters, the principles Peter taught can and should be applied to our modern-day work situations. So Peter addressed submission to the authority in the workplace. And third, he spoke directly to Christian wives concerning their submission to their husbands. So Peter addressed submission here to the authority in a marriage, the authority in a marriage. Now, um, if you're a husband here and your wife isn't in here, and so you're concerned about that, have no fear, for this is a (laughs) two-parter, and I will be reviewing all of this again and, and restating some things, but... Just a side note: When we talk about and we begin to look about look at this submission uh, to the authority in a marriage, this is just another reason that same-sex marriage is an absolute, in absolute opposition to God's design.
0: It doesn't work. It doesn't work.
1: Who's the authority then? Who submits if both are men or both are women? It is an absolute rejection of God's design for his creation and specifically for marriage, which is his institution. And so, again, we'll see that here, but just wanted to point that out. So, let's look at the text. 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll be reading verses 1 through 6. I would invite you, brothers and sisters, to follow along. Likewise, Wise, likewise, wives, <laughs> likewise, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. See, babe, it's biblical what I ask you to do. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. All right. Now, this is certainly not the only place in the New Testament where the wife is instructed to submit to her husband. You could also look at Ephesians chapter 5 or Colossians chapter 3 or Titus chapter 2 which we may refer to as we uh, go, but I would invite you ladies or wives to, uh, or wives or ladies who look to be wives one day to examine and meditate on those texts as well. All right? Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, Titus 2. But today, like I said, we'll primarily focus on the passage at hand. Now look back at the text, if you will. I want you to notice that verse 1 begins with the word that I kept messing up. What word? Uh Likewise, likewise, I can't, I don't know, I guess I'm going to have a problem. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. There is some discussion among Bible scholars uh, about the Greek word translated here in the ESV, likewise, and how to understand Peter's use of it. And I'm going to digress here a little bit uh, to address that, but bear with me. I'll bring it all back together. So how are we to understand Peter's use of likewise, likewise? Other translations use the words, and you may have a translation that says this, in the same way, in the same way. The word means uh, similarly, similarly, <laughs> similarly. The question that the addition of the word there, because he doesn't just say, wives, submit to your husbands, he begins with likewise, right? Right? So the question that brings up is, what is the wife's submission to her husband to be similar to? So, if I was looking at the immediate context, if I, if I just let my eyes roll up a little bit to the section right before this section, what's discussed directly before it, uh, you might remember that's submission of slaves to masters, But certainly Peter is not suggesting that wives are to relate to their husbands similarly to how servants relate to their masters. And many commentaries make a point right out of the gate to reject that idea, and I do as well. Uh, One just states it this way, solid commentary, that the word likewise does not imply that the submission of wives to their husbands, is comparable to the submission of the slaves to their masters. Okay, Are we clear there? So then how are we to understand the word, or Peter's use of it? Others suggest that the likewise, or in the same way, in verse 1, should be understood not as specifically referring to the submission of slaves to masters, but as referring back generally to the two previous examples of submission in the context. So you have citizens to civil authorities and servants to masters. It's just a general reference to submission. But if that is true, then how exactly are, do we make sense of verse 7, which we didn't read, but we're going to look at after we get through with this section, where Peter uses the word again, but now with reference to husbands. Take a look. After he finishes his instruction to the wives, he then says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And he goes on to give further instruction. I can't wait to get to that section as well. If likewise is supposed to refer generally to the examples of submission in the context of which, by the way, are examples of Christians submitting to an authority.
0: How are we to apply that to husbands? Are they to similarly submit? But to what authority?
1: You see the questions. These are the kind of questions one would ask, or might ask, of the text in trying to figure out what Peter's getting at. Other Bible scholars insist that Peter used the Greek word loosely as a way to simply introduce a new subject, the new subject being wives, in this case, in verse 1, in the general area of discussion, that is, relationships to authority. In that case, the word is not being used to imply similarity, but to imply or mean basically also. Or continuing on the same area of discussion, as one person puts it. Likewise. Also. That's possible. It's possible. But that is not how the word is used in other places in the New Testament, generally speaking. It's not used that way. In other places, if you look at it, it implies similarity. So I... I have a hard time embracing that option. Although that option removes all the questions about submission, right? He's just introducing a new subject. So likewise, wives, I'm introducing a new subject into the general area of relationships to authority. And when he gets to husbands, likewise, I'm introducing this new subject, husbands, into this conversation. It's possible. One commentator that I highly respect... Does teach that likewise, or in the same way, depending on your translation, in verse 7 and verse in verse 7 especially, does refer to the examples of submission in the context, just as the use of the word in verse 1 does when speaking to wives. Just it's a it's a general reference, okay? Commenting on this passage, this commentator, pastor, again, one I highly respect, says. This time, commenting on verse 7, it is the believing husband who submits to serve his wife. Submits how, though? though? He adds this note. Though not submitting to his wife as a leader, but submitting to the loving duty of being sensitive to the needs, fears, and feelings of his wife. Let me say this with all due respect, and I say that because it's the, the gentleman is John MacArthur, who I highly respect, and you'll find that we, we uh, sell his study Bible here, and you'll find this kind of communication there and there in his commentary. But I think that's a stretch. This is an area where I would disagree with him. I respectfully reject it. And let me tell you why. The verb translated be subject, be subject, or be submissive, it's be subject in the ESV, and used in the examples that it's believed likewise is referring back to, used in those examples of submission in chapter 2, verse 13, chapter 2, verse 18, and chapter 3, verse 1 when addressing wives, always implies a relationship of submission to authority. Authority. It really does not have a sense of submission to a loving duty. It's That's why I say it's a stretch, it's a stretch, submission to an authority. It was used outside the New Testament to describe the submission and obedience of soldiers in an army to those of superior rank, with me? That's how the word was used, outside of the New Testament, it's been brought into the New Testament and applied by Peter and others, the Apostle Paul to express this subjection or submission of Christians in the various contexts, government, masters, wives to husbands. Now, saying what I just said, let me add this. That superior rank, when we talk about, or even I use that terminology, superior rank does not imply superior humans when we talk about subjection, but simply those of a higher rank. Okay, So the soldiers in an army are not inferior to the general. Right? They're not inferior to the general, but they are to recognize and come under the general's authority or leadership. Yes? They are to submit. Remember that Jesus was subject to or lived in submission to his parents as a child and as a man and throughout his life to his heavenly father. So, does that in any way mean he is inferior? Certainly not.
0: But he himself lived in subjection to authority. So one writer just pointing that out, just
1: so that you don't misunderstand anything I'm saying, hopefully. The command to wives to be subject to their husbands should never be taken to imply inferior personhood or spirituality or lesser importance. Understand? Understand? Understand That would be a misunderstanding of what it is to be subject to or to live in submission to. So, back to our discussion then on the word translated likewise. Another suggestion, and the one I lean towards and I think makes the most sense concerning how to understand the term likewise, is that we are indeed to understand the Greek word to be speaking of similarity. That makes the most sense. That's how it's used throughout the rest of the New Testament. But we should attach that similarity not to the examples of submission in the context, but rather using a broader frame of reference, which is acceptable to do, we should attach it to Peter's opening statement concerning relationships to authority. That statement's found in verse 13. You can let your eyes glance there, but let me read it to you again. He opens this conversation with these words,
0: be subject, what? For the Lord's sake to every
1: human institution. And he goes on to talk about government. Be subject for the Lord's sake, for concern, for the Lord's sake would mean for concern for his honor and his cause. Concern to not bring dishonor on his name. We identify as the Lord's people, so how we live will either bring honor or it will bring dishonor on the name of the Lord. So get me here. If this is how Peter intends it, then it would sound something like this. So wives, likewise, for the Lord's sake, are to submit to their husbands, and then we get to verse seven. And husbands, likewise, for the Lord's sake, are to live with their wives in an understanding way, which is really Peter speaking to them have, uh, being you, cons- using having considerate use of their authority for the Lord's sake. To do otherwise wives not being subject to their husbands or husbands not living with their wives in an understanding way, is to bring dishonor
0: to Christ's name, to his gospel, to his word. It is.
1: And I have support for that idea, not only because other commentators, Greek scholars uh, find it as a way to translate the text, but the theme's repeated we see it repeated in other places, such as, that theme exactly, Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Uh, I'm not going to take you there, but that is where Paul instructs, instructs older women to encourage the younger women to be, among other things, subject to their own husbands. Why? Why? He says,
0: so that the word of God will not be dishonored.
1: That's what he says. One writer commenting on that says, when Christians claim to believe God's word but do not obey it, the word is dishonored. So in my opinion, understanding likewise to refer to for the Lord's sake is the better way to understand Peter's use of the word. You with me? And so I'll refer to it that way again when we come back to the text and also when we come back to verse 7. For the Lord's sake, for his honor, for his cause, live this way. Okay? Now back to verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands. Another translation puts it this way. Wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Same idea, be submissive, be subject. Just wanted to show you that. Another translation, more loosely, it's more of an interpretation, puts it this way, wives, follow the lead of your husbands. Not as strong, not as close to the original, but still worthy of consideration when we consider what it all, all that entails. So let's examine this a little. First, there is, of course, as I've said many times before, a limit on submission to any human authority. Yeah? I feel like I have to say that every time because authority is abused. It is abused because we're sinners. So there is a limit. Submission of citizens to their government or servants to their masters or wives to their husbands is always subject to one submission to God, who is the ultimate authority.
0: You with me? So if any authority, duly constituted authority, Insists that
1: you do something that God forbids or tries to prevent you from doing what God commands you to do, you must not adhere or subject yourself to that command. Doesn't mean you wouldn't sub- still subject yourself to that authority. It just means in that particular situation, you would not submit yourself to such commands. Okay? You can't. Because you're a Christian and the highest authority for you is God. You must submit to Him. That's first, okay? Second,
0: notice that women are not called to submit to men generally. Just You know, you women,
1: just answer to men. You know, come under them, Men. Rather, the Christian wife, it doesn't say that. The Christian wife is called to submit to her own husband. Notice that word her own husband, no other. Not men generally, no other husband, but to her own. To her man.
0: To the one that is one flesh with her through the sacred union of marriage. Just want to point these things out, they're helpful. Third, as one commentator puts it, they are to
1: willingly submit
0: to their husband's authority or leadership in the marriage. Willingly. Peter speaks to wives and commands them to submit, but he never
1: nor does any other biblical writer instruct husbands to attempt to make or force their wives to submit.
0: Which, even if tried, would only lead to external compliance
1: anyway. External compliance. Instead of submission flowing from a heart that is given to God and living in obedience to Him which is the submission that Peter is calling wives to. One writer puts it this way, commenting on that. God never tells husbands to get their wives to submit to them. A husband who focuses on his authority is out of line. Not once is there a command to husbands to get their wives into submission. A husband who suppresses, restricts, or puts down his wife is not exercising proper authority. He's not exercising biblical authority.
0: He might be exercising his authority, but he's doing it in a sinful way. And I've... Uh, in the
1: course of you know, speaking to um, husbands and wives, this has come up more frequently. You know, The, the husband, he flips through the scriptures, and he says, see? Uh, it says right here, she's to submit... Yeah, it also says you're to love her as Christ loves the church, right? Are you doing your part? Is this loving leadership that you uh, are exercising in the home, or is this authoritarian, tyrannical rule? You think you're king, and she's a servant? She's no servant; she's a queen and should be honored as such. You know, obviously, I'm just just rambling on, but I mean, trying to push back. At, I'm just thinking about conversations I've had. I mean, come on! And also, where do you get off thinking that you can come in and? strong-arm your wife. Who do you think you are? And the authority that you have in the home was given to you by God. You better remember that. Not to be abused, but to love your wife, care for your wife, and godly, godly, in a godly way, lead her. Take responsibility for her. You've
0: twisted this, my friend. You've twisted this. While Ephesians talks about
1: A wife submitting to her husband, coupled with that, is the love of her husband for her. Loving her sacrificially as Christ loves the church. In the course of marriage counseling, I've often said to wives not to try to play the Holy Spirit in the lives of their husbands, you know, speaking to them. Don't do that. Don't try to to nag them into godliness. That doesn't work. It only irritates the husband and leaves the wife frustrated. And it often leads to manipulation. Wives will begin to manipulate their husbands in a futile or futile attempt to change their husbands. But only God can truly change people from within. From within. Does he use your spouse to change you? You bet. You bet he does. It's part of that sanctifying influence the couple has one unto another, but not through manipulation or in the case of a husband, not through intimidation
0: or threats or bullying, Mm. but rather through biblical love, encouragement, prayer, prayer,
1: prayer, prayer, Modeling godliness and being patient, 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 trusting in and giving God time to work and slowly sanctify your
0: spouse, just the same way he's sanctifying you. With me so far. Fourth. Concerning what submission in a healthy marriage might look like.
1: What might it look like in a healthy marriage? What should it look like? I love this writer's comment, this this Bible commentator. He says this. Submission to a husband's authority within a healthy marriage might not often involve obeying commands. Though it will sometimes include this. Pause, drop the screen for a second, if you would, because they'll keep reading. That's what they do. Um, you can't. I understand. You can't help it. I do the same thing. So I'm with you. I'm with you. If it's up there and the guy says, "Don't read it," I'm reading. I'm sorry. That's what I'm going to do because I have a hard time with submission as well. But within a healthy marriage, it might of, not often involve obeying commands, though it will sometimes include this. I and mean, what is that? That means that there are times when I will say to my dear wife, wife, not like, come to me and bow before me and hear what I say to you now. I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. But I might ask her. Command is probably a stronger, but still, I ask her to do something. Honey, when I eat this, or honey, that. It's, a, it's just a command. So certainly in a healthy marriage, that will take place. But not... Often, necessarily, is it all about me just, you know, directing, you know, just telling her what to do, because I want to communicate with this woman, this wonderful woman that God has given to me as my partner in life, as my helpmate, right? I want to communicate with her. I want to discuss things with her as the leader of a home, making decisions in that home. So he goes on to say, now you can pop it back up, my friend. For a husband may rather give request and seek advice and discussion about the course of action to be followed, okay? That's probably more what a healthy marriage would look like. Nevertheless, an attitude of submission to a husband's authority will be reflected in numerous words and actions each day, which reflect deference to his leadership and acknowledgement of his final responsibility." after discussion has occurred, where possible, to make decisions affecting the whole family. Yeah, I'll have a discussion with my wife. I will, we will talk about things. I will get her input. But as I'm ultimately the one that needs to make the decision. And as I do, her way of submitting is to then follow that instruction. Follow my counsel.
0: Follow my lead. That's what Ali's called to do. Willfully. Willfully.
1: One writer comments, to operate effectively, the home, like every human institution, must have a head. One who is the final authority. God assigned that position to the husband. A man. A physical man who is the husband in a relationship. That's the authority in the home. That is how God designed it. So I was reading on MSN the other day, just a, you know online news source. It was titled, What Questions Married Women Don't Want to Hear. Obviously, this is not, gonna be a, this is not Christian. So I read it. I read, I read this stuff just to get the vibe of the world. It's all worldly, generally speaking. It's you know, worldly philosophy. One of the questions, according to this article, that a wife does not want to hear, besides when are you having children, that is one, and that is, does get old after, for many reasons, but who wears the pants in the family? Who wears the pants in the family? And you know what the answer was? They don't want to hear that question, it said. And the answer was, we both do. It's 2016. Um... I've, you know, and Thomas, you've talked about this. I don't, this is kind of their standard answer to everything. Hey, it's 2016. Come on, get what, it's like, what does that have to do with anything? So what? It's 2016. So reject the scriptures. Okay, you're right. It's 2016. I forgot. We did away with the word of God. We should just embrace whatever the culture embraces at this time. It's 2016. And that's the idea. What are you talking about? I mean,
0: come on. What they're talking about is, come on. Aren't you progressive? Haven't you got with it? Haven't you rejected that antiquated book? That's old school thinking. No, that's biblical thinking. Sorry. But
1: that is the thinking today. Who wears the pants in the family? Please don't talk to me like that. We both do. That's
0: ridiculous. That never works, by the way. It doesn't work. Trust me. It is foolishness. It is the thinking of the world.
1: It is rejection of God and a rejection of his word. It is a rejection of his
0: design for his world, just like homosexual marriages. Now let's look back at the text, 1 Peter
1: 3, 1 through 2. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, What is he talking about? They reject the Christian gospel. It's shorthand for the word, the gospel. Even as some reject the gospel, they're unbelievers. So their wives received and accepted the truth of the gospel and bowed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Their husbands have not. Okay. They may be, even if they have not believed the word and and rejected, they've rejected the Christian gospel. Be subject to them, even if you have a husband who has rejected the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. All right, as I've said before, the theme of our witness to a watching and unsaved world underlies this entire section here in 1 Peter. So, Peter, in addressing wives... And their submission to their husbands brings up the matter of a wife having an unbelieving husband. So the unsaved is literally right there in her home, attached to her. And speaks now to the influence or impact that her godly conduct, in this case submission to her husband, can have on her unbelieving husband. As one writer puts it, her submission acquires a saving significance if the husband is not a Christian.
0: It assumes an evangelistic function, her submission, in this case, if her husband is an unbeliever. But how? How does that work? How how is it possible that
1: the unsaved husband can be won to Christ via the godly behavior of his wife, specifically
0: submission, godly submission to her husband? How does that work? I found this comment that I read a lot. And I was thinking about
1: that. Instead of just saying, oh, yeah, they're one, you know, they're, it'll, it can happen, certainly. I, I, I was thinking, how? How, does that, how, does that, how might that play out in a home? And this comment, I found it to be so insightful and also helpful for you ladies, I think, for you wives. It's long, so bear with that. But I'll read it to you and I'll make some possibly, comments as I go, because it's hard for me not to. And I want to I leave you with this. I may say a few more things. I want to leave you with this because I want you to meditate on it. I want you to think about it. And like I said, we're coming back. There'll be a two-parter, and you can see how much good and juicy stuff we have uh, left in this section. But listen, here's what he says. How, how is it that the godly submission of a wife might win her husband to Christ. Here it is. The attractiveness of a wife's submissive behavior, even to an unbelieving husband, suggests that God has inscribed the rightness and beauty of role distinctions in marriage on the hearts of all mankind. I agree with this completely. Such role distinctions include male leadership or headship in the family and female acceptance of and responsiveness to that leadership. Someone might object, and they do, that female submissiveness is attractive to the unbelieving husband only because he is selfishly interested in gaining power for himself or because it fits his cultural's current perception of appropriate male-female relationships, you know, way back when, back in the old days when they were dumb. But in either case, but in either case, so this position would argue, such role distinctions are still wrong or still incongruent, incompatible with God's ideal plan for marriage. That's what they would say. That's what a, a someone who you know, claims to be a Christian but is a is liberal in their approach to the Scriptures and is rejecting what the Word of God says and has embraced the culture and is letting that rule their hearts. This is the kind of things they might say
0: and that you might have heard or you will. However... The objection is unpersuasive
1: because Peter would not encourage a sinful behavior pattern, whether from the culture or the husband himself, to continue in order to bring someone to faith. It is pure behavior, not sinfulness, that attracts unbelievers to Christ. And this pure behavior, Peter says, especially involves wives being subject to their own husbands. The unbelieving husband sees this behavior and deep within perceives the beauty of it. Even the unbelieving husband, within his heart there is a witness that this is right. This is how God intended men and women to relate as husbands and wife. He concludes therefore
0: that the gospel which his wife believes must be true as well. That's gold. I'm just telling you. That is gold. So certainly that principle would apply outside
1: of the godly behavior of wives submitting to their husband to all godly behavior, right? It could, right? As we consider those things. I was just thinking, though, through that, if it can have that kind of impact on an
0: unsaved husband, what kind of impact do you think it would have on a saved husband? Would it reinforce in his mind the rightness of the gospel? Yeah. So
1: he's embraced it but he needs help goodness we need help man husbands we need help so to have our wives model that godliness for us confirming to us the rightness of it is confirmed in our hearts we know it's right and her behavior is gospel driven behavior It has an impact, in this sense, driving us back to the rightness of the gospel, and there we find what? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You see the power of
0: a wife, of a godly wife, on her husband? The influence that she can have? The influence that she is, one way or another. I was also thinking
1: about this, this, this statement, and I was just thinking, you know, I agree with it. But what about the uh, radical feminist movement? Why is it that women, generally speaking of the world, who have embraced an anti-biblical view of womanhood in the idea that there are no role distinctions or there should be none? That we both wear the pants? That it's ridiculous to talk about Submission to an authority, like your husband's an authority, please. That type of logic, which is everywhere prevalent in society. Yay or nay?
0: Yay. Huh? Movies, TV. The, the, I, this right
1: here, what we just read, is, is put over here like it's junk, like it's trash, like it's stupid, like it's dumb. Antiquated backwards.
0: Right? Elevated is the progressive type of thinking. We both make the decisions. We're both the authority. That's dumb.
1: That's dumb. That's foolishness. That's backwards. But why, why would, why would the the female side then maybe not see this. This is what I, I'm wrestling with in my mind. I'm going to give you a potential answer, possible answer. Why would the female side in the radical feminist agenda and that movement, why would they not see this submission over here and go, that's beautiful, that is quite beautiful, and then be compelled to uh, surrender themselves to that same gospel that drives such behavior? And certainly they might be, but in general, there's a movement that is not moved by submissive wives. You with me? So, if we are to believe that a, that a husband seeing an unsaved husband seeing this behavior and then it's a witness to his heart that this is how God designed it, and by that he then turns to the gospel that drives that behavior, why aren't wives doing that in droves or other women? Why aren't they saying, Man, I see that and that is beautiful? Well, here's why I think uh, we sin impacts men and women differently, it impacts men and women differently, and so. When I'm speaking to husbands, husbands are instructed to love their wives, love them. And so they push back against that because that is what God has wired them to do. So that's how sin impacts them. I got to speak to them and say, you need to sacrificially love your wife, care for her, take care of her. Instead of doing that, they, they are harsh with her. They are cruel. They are mean. They are bossy. They are lots of other things other than love, right? For the wives, for ladies, God has wired it, designed it, that they are to come under, the wife, their husband. So how does sin impact them? They push back against that. They, their sin causes them to move away from that, to say, no, who, I, don't, I don't need to do that. I don't have to do that. I don't want to do that. Okay. So in culture, this plays out. Women just generally don't like the idea of submission. They don't like it. So their sin manifests itself, how? In this radical feminist agenda worldview movement. That's how sin manifests itself there. It is a rejection of God's design for his creation. That is why why I believe the radical... Feminist agenda movement exists. It is is the manifestation of their own sin. So instead of seeing that as something beautiful, their sin causes them to turn away and see it as something ugly. Whereas the husband, he's his issue is not submission, you know, submission of his wife. He sees that and he goes, That is right, that is right. His problem is loving his wife. So as an example, I'll give you okay, so as an example. Culturally speaking, there's this idea that for a man to be tender and caring and loving with his wife is somehow weakness. That's not weakness, that's biblical strength. And so that's where he, his sin manifests itself. And you have this whole machoism that exists in our culture. And to be anything less than macho means you're less of a man. Which again, is just sin manifesting itself in that
0: gender. Hmm. Well, we're either going to, uh... well, let me say it this way. To one degree or another, we absorb the culture around us.
1: We absorb it. It just gets on us without even knowing. The Word of God now writes us. At least that's what it's supposed to do. We come to it and we say, all right, wherever I've allowed these the world to attach itself to me in my thinking, in my heart I see now that is the world and I am to rid myself of it I am to reject it I am to embrace as a Christian the word of God and you don't do this once you do this over and over and over again because you may embrace it but then a couple of days go by a week goes by you're in the world it gets on you again it gets in you You hear it, you're not being careful with what you're absorbing, you're just letting it come in unfiltered, and you begin to think unbiblically again and live unbiblically and thereby dishonor Christ. All of us need to keep coming back to the Word, coming back to it, and let it be the rule over our lives, regardless of what we're talking about. But in this area, beloved,
0: believe me, hear me, this is a problem, Even in the church, Christian wives have adopted the world in this
1: area to one degree or another, many of them. I know because I speak to you guys, when your marriages get into problems, it's always the same thing, honestly. It's just a different manifestation of it. The wife refusing
0: to come under her husband and the husband refusing to love his wife. We are fools. Trust the Lord and see what He will do. He will bless you. Let's pray. Father, Father God, we thank You for Your Word. And,
1: and Father, one of its works that it does in our lives, is it reveals where we are off track, where we have sinned, where we are not living in accordance with Your design with your plan, with your will. Father, I just pray that your word would have its way with us, do its work. Lord, as we just look at this topic as we have been, and looking at the various relationships in which a Christian must submit to an authority, Father, help us to to embrace all of it, not some of it, not part of it,
0: but to embrace all of it, embrace all of your word. Ultimately, Father, that our lives might honor the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. For your glory, Father, help us to live in every area of our lives. In Christ's name, amen.